Want to do better? Then it's time to change the story. Welcome to our show about new visions currently transforming the world through the confluence of art, tech, and innovation. And now your hosts, Michael Ashley and Neil Sahota. Welcome to another episode of Changing the Story. We have a phenomenal guest today, Saurabh Suri. He is the managing partner and CIO at Seracap Ventures. He has over 15 years of experience in the technology industry, and most recently he served as the Vice President for Emerging Solutions, Innovation, and Investment at UST Global. Saurabh has significant experience in creating, growing, and sustaining technology products and solutions in a global operations environment, having lived and worked on four continents. Wow. Saurabh has a degree in neurocomputation and a research background in high-performance computing from the United Kingdom. He also serves as an advisor, observer, or board member on several high-growth technology companies such as Abzuba, Third Eye, and OnePage. Hey, Saurabh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for uh, having me, Neil. And by the way, the reason for so many continents is no country could stand me after a certain amount of time. <laughs> shuffled around all the time. Sorry, I only have one thing left on my bucket list is to go to Antarctica because I've been to every continent except that one. <laughs> the, 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 there you go. Uh, uh, you, you and me both, uh, Neil. We will bundle up and uh, hike up there. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Awesome. So, Sarab, uh, as a visionary, what is the story that you want to bring to the world? Um, so that that's a fascinating and a, 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 a difficult question. Uh, to be honest, I've I've always been fascinated by the maximum of, or the maxim of do more for more with less, hmm. which essentially translates to doing more things for the betterment of more people with less resources. And um, since I'm a card-carrying member of the Nerd Society, if you would, uh, doing this with the help of technology. And this maxim for me in this story and this vision for me encapsulates in, in, in a way where all the biggest challenges we face today, you know, whether it be climate change or population health or equality, of doing more things for the betterment of more people with less resources. So that essentially is, is, is that new story that uh, I'm constantly striving to build with the world, to bring to the world, and uh, the kind of companies that we try and invest uh, uh, through our VC. So it sounds like we're looking for a lot of innovation, a lot of innovators, disruptors. We all know that they need uh, funds, resources, opportunities. How, how do you help make this happen? I mean, how does this work? Um, uh, a lot of luck, uh, but no, uh, <laughs> I, I, I had this phenomenal entrepreneur, you know, who kind of oversimplified it a bit uh, for me, but he's like, Sarb, you know, and this is a guy who's done two unicorns. Uh, and he was like, listen, you want to uh, build a billion dollar company, find a hundred billion dollar problem and just take 1% of market share. <laughs> okay. Now, of course, uh, uh, easier said than done, but what we try and do through Seracap first is put all companies through this filter. You know, are they having that impact? Second is then create that ecosystem to enable that. You know, we call something called the sales and scale model, where what we essentially do is first we invest in the company. You know, you got to put your money where your mouth is. So you invest in the company and then actually drive them into the market, drive purchase orders, drive revenue, drive that growth through the uh, connections that we have, and then create an ecosystem around them. Ecosystem of clients, ecosystem of talent, and ecosystem of people with the right vision in that area, right? And, and there, again, 
I, I see a lot of entrepreneurs who chase the most visible problem. Right. To say, OK, you know what they say, uh, um, you know, there's a Simon Sinek approach. It's, you know, uh, I love the guy who says, ask about the why. Right. But that goes into the sometimes the most visible problem. We try and push them to say, don't look at the most visible problem. Try and look at the most valuable problem and drive it from there. So that's the route and the approach that we use. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a fascinating way to, to look at it. So let's say you have an entrepreneur and they are doing all of the things that you're mentioning, right? They're looking at the, the most valuable problem that they can solve. How can they get started? Um, first, build the right team. Okay. Um, I, I know, listen, everybody comes in, you know, I've got this amazing problem. I got this amazing angle, da, 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 da. It's mm-hmm. all for naught if you don't have the right team. Right. Okay. That, that's the first thing you have to. And it sounds preachy. It sounds oversimplified, but you have no idea how important that is. Right. Mm-hmm. So first is make sure you have the right kind of people around you. When I say build the right team, I, I don't mean just the people you hire. I mean, the people you surround yourself with. Right. Um, advisors, investors, partners or whatever it be. Right. So, uh, that's that. The second is have that clarity on what you're uh, trying to do, right? There, there's vision and then there's vision. And both aspects need a lot of clarity, right? And once you have that, then comes third, and some would say probably the most important uh, piece of that uh, equation, which is execute. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, um, as a VC, you know, we have you know, hundreds of companies that come through our doors, all phenomenal people, phenomenal ideas, right? But even the best idea on the planet is worth nothing till it has somebody and a team that can execute against it, right? So at a high level, again, uh, uh, you know, th- th- there's there are a lot of uh, uh, pieces uh, in between. But when you're looking at a first-time entrepreneur uh, trying to start it out, if you look at those fundamentals, uh, um, you know, you can't go wrong. Yeah, so that, that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, my, my experience with entrepreneurs and founders, there's, there's some really good ones. There's some, I'll call it green ones that need a little seasoning. But the, the green ones that always come in, they think, I've got like the greatest idea, I've got the best solution. And it's like, well, how do you know that? What kind of research, customer surveys? Like, well, I, I talked to my friends and family, also it was a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you fit that out? <laughs> right. Listen, um, th- there's no shortage. And, and, and frankly, you know, I'll step up. I've, I've been guilty of drinking my own Kool-Aid uh, a, a lot of times as well. Right. Um, again, it's, you know, the, the, there's the other things. It's not about who you know or who's, uh, who, who you talk about. It's about who talks about you. Right. Um, and, and the essential aspect around that is when we look at new ideas, new entrepreneurs, new technologies, etc., uh, uh, etc., et you have to have the validation against it. Mm-hmm. Right. And this validation is always from the end user. OK. Um, a, a, a very interesting statistic for you. Again, apologies, nerd, etc., etc. But an interesting statistic is 42 percent of all startups fail for just one reason lack of a product market fit, which in simple terms essentially means they built something nobody wanted to buy. Right. Right. And over here, you have to have two filters, especially at least for us in uh, today's age, right? You have to have the filter of value. What is the value you're bringing to, you know, a community, a society, or an, uh, 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 et cetera. And then the second filter is, are you actually solving a problem that exists? Sure. 
okay? Or are you actually solving a problem that those people have? And you can, you know, uh, 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 flip those around. And, and that's uh, the key piece. And, and people look at it differently. You know, uh, you have uh, uh, always talk about the why. You have product market fit. You have a lot of these things. I mean, at Seracap, we kind of boil it down to say, okay, can we get you a purchase order? Right. Um, can, can we at least look at it uh, through these filters? And once you've passed through these four or five filters, you're in a much better place. Now, nobody can ever predict uh, um, in terms of what's going to be the next unicorn or what's going to be there. But these filters at least help get that level of surety uh, um, in place or as much of it as you can actually get uh, in, in today's world. Well, I think you're also talking a little bit about stress testing, too, right? But I think that there is a unique tension or balance between you want someone to Neil's point who is a little green, perhaps someone that has that has a certain innocence or naivete, right? Because they're willing to take a chance. They're not jaded. They're not cynical. They're 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 dream. They're a dreamer, right? You want that. But at the same time, you also want to make sure that it does respond to the to the market. That you can stress test it. That it will stand up, and that it, it is solving a problem. So, how do you balance that between? Uh, having that aspirational quality, testing it somewhat in the market without, you know, revealing it to the market completely because then someone could, could potentially steal your idea. Uh, how do you balance all of these these what ifs when you're going to market? Right. So first, and 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 I may be a contrarian here, so apologies in advance. But um, the one thing I'll tell you: remove that lexicon about oh, somebody can steal my idea. Okay. If somebody stole your idea, that means you did not execute fast enough. Okay, if somebody stole your idea or it's, uh, it's because you weren't quick enough, okay, people are always going to steal, right? And that's okay. But if you're faster and better, you know, you, you, you're going to succeed, uh, uh, being the example, right? The second aspect, and let me give you an actual very interesting but topical example of leveraging technology for the greater good. And, lev- and doing it in a, a topical way and solving a problem, right? And it's one of my favorite portfolio companies called Nirveda Cognition, right? They've got this really powerful, amazing AI platform uh, uh, underneath them. And what they did recently was they kind of rose to the challenge or the challenge of the hour and used this amazing uh, AI platform to get resources to the ones most in need. In this instance, around PPP loan forgiveness, you know, the whole PPP mm-hmm. program, et cetera. So they created, they just took this amazing platform, pivoted it. And this is, again, speaks to their ability to execute. Yeah. Pivoted it uh, uh, immediately and created this PPP loan forgiveness program for community banks. Okay. So small and community banks, which pretty much serve the most needy in our society. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now they're able to reduce the processing times of these PPP loan forgiveness, etc., from a few weeks to less than a day, providing good for those people. And they're now offering, you know, the borrower module for free to all of the small businesses over there, right? And, and just having launched it, the amount of inbound requests they're getting is through the roof. So they're also making money against it. It's, it's not, you know, there, there are two aspects of charity. You can do charity and give away money or you can do good and make money. It's, uh, you know, in today's world, it's, it's not neither or anymore. And so this is an example of Taking an idea now, granted, Nirveda is already an existing company with a platform, etc. But they saw the need, they saw the impact of the need, and they executed uh, on it. And now they're reaping the benefits uh, against it. And not just them reaping the benefits against it, the small and medium businesses who rely on this in today's uh, COVID environment are also reaping the benefits uh, uh, from there. 
So that's an example. I hope that encapsulates some of your questions. Well, but yeah, and let me be a contrarian there for just a moment. It sounds like they could respond because that's a very topical case, right? They could get going. That only happened a, a few months ago, but they already had, to your point earlier, they had the people on the bus, right? They had their team. They had that infrastructure. How do you respond and how do you get to market when you don't have those people in place if you're just getting started? True. I mean, uh, uh, at, at last count, there are 8,600 uh, uh, AI platforms and startups out there. One chose to respond. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, if, if you look at it, OK, so you don't have an AI platform, you can't respond to this uh, quickly enough. That's OK. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have something different. Right. Challenges are not a problem in our in, in today's society for us, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at it, um, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, we have an, uh, another uh, amazing company. And I, and I look at it in terms of fundamentals, okay? Um, back in, I'd say, 70s, 80s, 90s, you, know, you, you had the core fundamentals of society, which was food, shelter, and clothing, right? You now look at it under the new fundamentals of connectivity, security, and healthcare. The old fundamentals still stay there, but they're added on to by these new fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you look at that and look at what you have or the information you have, you can react either under the old fundamentals or the new fundamentals to actually drive things forward and make an impact. OK, so, I mean, you look at our entire portfolio. Most of them are actually first time entrepreneurs who are just killing it. Right. Um, uh, for example, we had uh, Deep and Sink and the Athena that's looking at cybersecurity and data privacy. You know, uh, the company Viome, uh, I, I, which has actually one of my most amazing vision statements. And their vision statement is can we make illness optional by looking at the, So, what they do is look at the human microbiome and gut health, uh, et cetera. Right. Uh, Deep and Sink and the Athena on the cybersecurity side. So, all of these new entrepreneurs using the tools and understanding they had. Right? Maybe it'd be in AI, maybe it'd be in security, maybe it'd be in medical, maybe it'd be in food quality, like a company, Axship. Have that know-how, understand what impact can you make and what value you can add, and then just execute. Kind I mean, of a long-winded answer, but yeah, there's uh, something I'm totally <laughs> passionate about. It's fine. You, you know, you sure you hide it well, Saurav. <laughs> <laughs> I'll shut up. I know, I, I think, you know, but I think you're actually talking about something that's really important in that a, a lot of people, not just entrepreneurs, always think about like, man, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that rather than focusing on I can do this or I could do that, right? Yeah. I, I, I say this in a lot of talks uh, I give as well. Is like, you know, have you ever opened an app and said, holy shit, I could do that. You know, the difference between you and, and the other guy, he actually did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that's what it comes down to. It's, but you have to have, and for that level of execution, you have to have that passion, right? And then just right. heads down and go after it. Right. I think, I think it's, it's passion, obviously the right team, but you have the will or the commitment to actually do it, right? It's like, yeah. you know, I, I know I'll get tired of me saying this, but it's like Yoda always said, do or do not, there is no trying. <laughs> there you go. A man after my own heart. Absolutely. I mean, Neil, I put it this way, you know, when you uh, started writing uh, your book as well, right? There would be times that you're like, okay, fine, do it. I'm done. I can't finish. I can't do it. But it's that passion and you've had that passion around uh, uh, the AI revolution, etc. You dig down deep and you just have to keep driving on through it. That's the only way. And everything else kind of, yeah, they're going to they're gonna be problems. But yeah, um, I, uh, one of my uh, portfolio CEOs once uh, called me once and he was having massive issues with the company. 
brilliant, brilliant man, but he was having massive issues. And he calls me and says, you know, Saurabh, you've been through this crap before. Does it ever get any better? And I kind of thought, you know, I mean, the right thing to do is, yes, it's okay, it'll get better. And I was like, no, I mean, this guy's really good. I was like, you know what? No, <laughs> it never gets better, but your ability to handle it well. <laughs> yeah. And that's what it comes down to, I think, uh, uh, Neil, to what you were saying uh, as well, you know, to have that passion and that drive to just keep going. There's a, a philosopher named Ram Das who says uh, that it's not that your problems go away, it's that you outgrow your problems as you become an adult and they don't have the same impact on you. So, but to go back to something you mentioned a moment ago, uh, I've often thought about this and actually debated other people about it. Do you think that drive, that passion that both Neil and you were talking about is something that just is inherent in people that you can't give them that will. Uh, they just have to be born with it. Or do you think it's something that over time, let's say you're lacking in it when you're younger, that you can cultivate that, that, that will that says, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to do this. I have a very kind of a different view on that. Right. Um, I think everybody has that will and that passion within them. I think what's what lacking is the catalyst to spark it. Okay. Um, Let's say I have, you know, I was born with the will and passion around, let's say music. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I lived in a society that was tone deaf. Unfortunately, I'd never find the musical instrument, which would ignite that passion. But if I traveled, went somewhere else and found it. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think every single person, definitely has it. And, and, and this goes beyond uh, um, age or, or generation or uh, uh, anything of the sort. It's about having that uh, catalyst that just sparks it. And once it's sparked, that's it. And then you definitely have to have the willpower to, to kind of stay with it, stay the course. Uh, you know. And, and um, I remember in the early days when we first uh, formed Seracap uh, uh, as, as well, and you know, we were sitting and we were having massive amounts of problems. So my partner and I was sitting and uh, one day we were having, for the sake of this program, I'll just say apple juice together. Um, and, and, and we were like, man, you know, it's like everything's against us. And I remember we looked at each other and says, you know, so many things are going wrong all at the same time. We've got to be doing something right. <laughs> right. I like that. And then and just went uh, against it. Yeah. So to answer your question, I think everybody has it. What's missing is the catalyst. Mm-hmm. And that's why I tell people, keep reading, keep exploring, keep asking stupid questions. You'll find that catalyst. Right, right. Well, I mean, it leads me to think that in terms of people that, you know, high school students that are not digging school, right, and they're not feeling motivated by these things, it seems to me that what you're saying is you have to find uh, your bliss. You have to find whatever it is in life. Uh, and when you do, then, then that will, will be ignited. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. I mean, if you're talking about uh, uh, kids in school, etc., etc., I'd say that's the time. Explore. Constantly explore. It is only through the process of that constant exploration that you will find your passion, right? And and uh, Neil, I, I maybe don't want to date you on this, but you know, growing up and especially the society I grew up in, you know, you had kind of four choices. You were going to be a, either a doctor or an engineer. Okay, uh, or a lawyer or homeless. Those were your four choices, right? Um, I, I I never fell into uh, uh, any of those. I mean, unfortunately, there wasn't a fifth choice which said idiot. Uh, but <laughs> right now, there there are more tools uh, available. What globalization and connectivity specifically has done is provided that 
uh, uh, to more people. And that's what I'd say. Keep exploring. Keep asking questions. It's okay to be stupid, right? It's it's okay to get out there. But and the reason you're doing that is to find that one that that spark, that thing that catalyzes, and everything else falls into place, right? Some of the most, I mean, you know, and people say, "Oh, I've not found my calling yet." I say, "Listen, some of the most interesting eighteen-year-old, eighteen-year-olds I know have no idea what to do, but are clueless about their life." Some of the most interesting 50-year-olds I know are still in that same boat. They have no, but they have the wonder and they have that, that peace to keep exploring. I, I think this is a, actually a really powerful point you're both talking about. I, I can't remember his name, but he like released this video talking about what it takes to be an entrepreneur and he, or just have a successful career in general. And he's very emphatic in saying, Don't, it's, this is not about following your passion, right? Don't don't do what you think you're passionate about, because you may you may love to be a singer, but you may just be a horrible singer. You just don't have the talent for it, right? It's just kind of is. He's like, yeah, it's not about passion. He's like, you should do what you're good at, right? And I think for us to figure that out, it's like you're saying, Sarab, we have to explore, and and I think that's the 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 challenge or the rub that we don't get. We we look at things in a box, right? I got to have make so much money or this kind of career. I want this kind of prestige rather than thinking about what am I really good at? Have I figured that out? Right. Oh, absolutely. And you can create a team around it. Now, unfortunately this is going to be recorded. So it's going to be a problem, but I'll tell you, I'm a venture capitalist. I hate venture capital. <laughs> okay. But what I love doing is, you know, teaching other entrepreneurs from the mistakes I've made, from the success I've had, from all of that. I love working with those entrepreneurs day in and day out. I love creating those companies that have the value, right? But I have teammates who love venture capital. They love that aspect of it. And I'm fortunate enough to have those guys with me. And I'll be honest with you, I ain't good at it, but I know what I'm good at. I'm good at taking an idea, turning it into a product, taking a product, turning it into a company and taking that company and turning it into impact. Okay. I didn't, I know that's what I'm good at. So that's also the aspect of the team. You're right. You may not be good at it. Right. Which uh, I'm sorry to all my LPs who might be listening <laughs> into this uh, or, or, or whatever, but I've always been clear. I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not. Well, and also it sounds like you also are following your bliss. You know, you're aware of, of your own limitations or the things that you're not into, but you're doing what makes you happy and, you know, you're seeing the good results because of it. Yeah. And that comes from screwing up a lot. <laughs> okay. It doesn't come from, I, you know, um, I, uh, uh, some people talk about, you know, finding your bliss as, you know, snappity snap and it happens. No, 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 no. Okay. Right. And uh, Anil, I don't know if you back me up on this one, but yeah, you've got to make a lot of mistakes. You've got to have pie in your face a lot of times, you know, and was that Mom and Ali, you said it's not about how much you can hit, but how, uh, how many hits you can take kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Truer words were never spoken. So yeah, it's, it, 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 but hey, that's, that's, that's the path right? That's the path you have to follow. That's the path that all of us have to follow. And yeah, you just don't be afraid of it. Well, it, it's interesting because there's the old phrase, the good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. You know? <laughs> and in the startup world, you know, we're always telling, you know, we're always advising the entrepreneurs, it's okay to fail. In fact, fail fast. Try something and learn right away and pivot. And But we, we have a culture or a society where 
you know, failure is kind of a stigma and people are worried about that. And so they're taking off risk sometimes. I mean, what, what, what's your advice about that? How, how can we overcome that barrier? Yeah. Um, I, I do think that one of the reasons for that barrier is a lack of definition of failure. Okay. Um, because of that lack of definition, it's always associated with the negative stigma, right? Um, honestly, I don't know. And again, I'm generalizing over here, so pardon me, but I don't know of any successful man who hasn't screwed up at least a hundred times, right? And I've been fortunate enough to be in the room with some of the most successful folks out there. And every time I ask that uh, question, the answer is, are you kidding me? I've screwed up so many times, I can't even count. Like, wh what are you talking about? But then comes the definition of failure, okay? What is, and, and uh, there you, you made a very, very important distinction, Neil, where you said, if you're going to fail, fail fast and fail early. Okay. It's easier to fail with your product within the first six months of forming your company uh, than after you've already closed 20 purchase orders and you've got 3 million in revenue and the whole product goes flat. Right. So that's the definition of failure that we look at. Fail fast and fail early. The second, and, and I really think that there needs to be a different word associated with it as well to take out that negative connotation of failure that exists within our society today, right? And this is something almost it should be part of parental uh, uh, training uh, right. or, or putting in there. The second aspect of the definition of uh, uh, failure is what does it mean? Failure is taken in our society almost as a permanent. Whereas we understand failure is not just, nothing but just a temporary phase. It's not a permanent state of being. It's just a temporary hiccup. And, and almost, I think, Neil, in your next book, coin a new phrase if you could uh, 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 around that, because you're right. It's that negative stigma around the, the permanence of failure that needs to be weeded out. Failure ain't permanent. It's just another bump. So great. Uh, let's move on. Yeah. And I think the other part of it too, is that there, there's a demoralizing aspect to failure because of our culture, especially here in America, where it can feel permanent if you've failed, especially to your friends and your family members. And so I think if there's some way to get over that aspect too, then you can bounce back a lot quicker. For, for sure. Um, but, but there's also the aspect and there is a huge negative aspect of that, but there's a certain silver lining to it as well. Okay. Um, and, and this might sound a little contrarian because it is only once you can face and move past that, let's say humiliation that you become stronger and tougher to face that next challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So rather than remove the humiliation from society in itself, I'd say temper the humiliation, but let it be there. But people need to understand that they need to accept it, take it, be tougher, be better and move on from there. Right. Again, and this is opposite. You know, I, I wish uh, I, I'd probably be the worst, uh, you know, that uh, insightful coach kind of uh, thing out there that says, it's okay. Everything's fine. And then I'm like, no, what? it's okay. I'm getting humiliated for a while. It's perfectly fine. But again, I don't know a single successful person out there who hasn't gone through this almost rite of passage, if, if you will. Right. And, but I'll tell you one thing that I love, we're talking about the downsides of society, but one thing I love about the new society and uh, a lot there is the acceptance of that has gone up in leaps and bounds. And it was, let's say 20 or 30 years ago. That's what gives me hope. Right. And I feel uh, with that same route and with guys who like write amazing books and guys like uh, uh, 
you, Michael, who understand uh, uh, that aspect of, of changing, let's say, the definition of fa uh, failure not being permanent uh, can drive that change even faster. Yeah. Look, I, I find this fascinating, right? Because we're, we're talking about finding your bliss, you know, thinking differently, getting the right team, solving the deep problem. These are all like mindsets, maybe a cultural type of thing. Sarab, you've done really well with Sarah Cap and your portfolio companies on, on finding like this right mix or helping to create that right mix. I mean, what's the secret sauce? I mean, I, I really believe everyone's got a billion dollar idea. How do people get in this mindset? Uh, lots of apple juice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Apple juice. <laughs> apple juice. No. Um, no, I mean, uh, the way you get to that mindset is first understanding that everything that you do or you everything that you should do has to be for the greater good okay that is the primordial piece now of course there's the uh, 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 platoic way which also says that altruism is the ultimate selfishness that might be true but you have to start with that uh, that grandiose mindset okay that whatever you do has to have value has to have impact and for the good of the uh, good of others once you have that and that understanding, the second step becomes a whole lot easier, which is then defining the how do you do that? Because at that point in time, you are much more accepting, accepting of other people's problems, understanding of other people's problems, understanding of all of the challenges. That for us, at least, and I'm, I'm just talking personally, that for me then led to that third tier, right? And, and that uh, third tier being, okay, now how do I execute upon it? And, and uh, frankly, it, it took a while. You know, when I was right out of college, I just wanted to earn a, a, a buttload of money just so that I could buy a buttload of apple juice, right? <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's that acceptance of having that larger uh, impact. And some people call it, you know, you can call it corny, you can call it cheesy or whatever else. But the only way to get into that right mindset is to first accept that, understand that, and then move forward from that. That's fantastic. And this has been an amazing conversation. How can more people learn about you, learn about what the, the great work that you're doing and get in touch with you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, even during COVID, we've got uh, open doors, responsible open doors, of course. But uh, 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 please do uh, uh, go to our website. It's uh, saracap.com, C-E-R-R-A-C-A-P, saracap.com. Whatever idea you have, whatever you need, um, you know, uh, uh, you, you, you can reach out to us. You can always uh, email me at saurabh at saracap.com. Um, I'm sure you'll have, you know, the right links, etc. Uh, out there. I don't want to give anybody a spelling bee test with uh, that name. Uh, but yeah, and uh, no, honestly, uh, uh, Michael, I love what you're doing. Always enjoyed everything that uh, Neil's been doing. And thanks a lot for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. This has been fantastic, Sarah. But we'll make sure all your info is in the show notes. And thank you for sharing your wisdom and encouraging all, all of us to find our bliss. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, if you like today's show, please remember to hit the like button and leave a comment. If you've been enjoying the Changing the Story podcast series, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you.